As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light. Joined by Ari Washman and Ari, today we've got a very special, is it a very special edition or just a special edition? I guess we can I think determine. It's a very, special edition very special edition. Very special edition. Because we're joined by David Ubbin. The star of the show, really. Yes. David, are you a senior writer? Is that your title? I don't even know. It is. It is. Senior yeah, that writer. Means I have some grays in the hair. So, yeah. Yeah. Senior, uh, not, as, not quite as many as me. Uh, senior <laughs> writer for The Athletic. And, and we are here today to talk about a story that is on The Athletic. Um, and David, I'm going to turn it over to you because this was your idea. You came to Ari, then to me, big research project. We had a lot of fun doing it. Took some time off of Ari's life, but he survived doing research. And Can't do research. We Can't all do age it. doing this. We all have our strengths and weaknesses. <laughs> research is weak. Research, looking at my calendar, looking at my email <laughs> and typos are my and slack four, and slack four bugaboos, you know, yeah. <laughs> Well, David, first of all, thanks for joining us, even though you're one of the hosts of the podcast today. But take take it away. Tell us where this idea yeah. came from and, and what it is. So I was talking to a Power 5 head coach who was just talking about – we were just talking about recruiting. And he was kind of like, you know, like you get to the end of the NFL draft, and everyone will say, oh, Georgia's got 16 picks. Alabama's got 117 picks. And the <laughs> SEC has 900 picks this year. You know, everybody wants to talk about all these numbers. He's like, but obviously, if you recruit the highest percentage of guys, like five stars, high four stars, you're going to have the most draft picks. He's like, nobody ever talks about the percentages. That if if I'm a five-star kid or I'm a four-star kid, and one program has 70 of four or five stars on their roster, and eight of those guys get drafted, and one other school has six of those guys on their roster, and five of those guys get drafted, where's the best school to go? Well, if you look by total numbers, people are going to talk about the big numbers and have more draft picks and all this stuff, but nobody ever talks about percentages. And I thought, it's actually a fair point. It's a good point. I'd be curious to know, where is the best place to go if you're a five-star, if you're a four-star, if you're a three-star? So we, well, I I start saying I embarked on this project of like, well, I'm going to chart every school's five-stars, four-stars, and three-stars. How many did you sign and how many did you have that got drafted 
I got about four schools in, <laughs> and it had been about two days. And well, I you got to like, tell them, Dave, that I'm you gonna called die. me with the idea. Yes. And you said, I'm going to do this. And I was like, that is awesome. That is going to be <laughs> awful. And you were just like, yeah, you know, I think I can handle it. And then, like, the next morning, he's like, I can't do this shit by myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty accurate. That's pretty accurate. Yeah. So I was like, we got to get, we got to, because, like, the, it was basically data entry. Like, it was brutal because we're simply going back to all 65 Power 5 schools just for our own sanity and time consuming, like, time constraints. Taking those classes, we took the 2009 up until the 2019 classes because most of those guys have been drafted. Now, there are a few stragglers with COVID year, but it's not perfect. And so we'd have draft data from 2012 to 2022, compared those on top of each other. And so I just went back. How many four stars did you sign? How many three stars? How many five stars? And then looked at for all those all 10 classes. And we found some very interesting things, fellas. Um, that's basically what, what the we project did. is. And I thought we'd have we'd be in for some surprises, and and we were. Yeah, it, to answer your question, David, I mean, my takeaway, and I think all our t- takeaways is like, if you're a good player, you're, you're probably going to be drafted. I mean, there's yes. just really in in the reason Alabama, Georgia, and all those schools have the most players drafted is because they sign the best players. And we're going to go into this, and the story got into this, and th- these these the, the elite programs do very well in our three star projections. Because they are signing, and there's a lot of three stars out there, anywhere from like 450 in the country all the way to like 16 or 1700. So Alabama, yeah, Ohio, they will State, find you. They are signing for the most part three stars in that five, six, seven hundred range, where a program like Iowa State, a developmental program, is signing them in the seven, eight, nine, in the, in the thousands. So obviously, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, there's these these rankings aren't perfect. But those players in the five, six, seven hundreds are better players. They're more likely to be drafted. So, well, this is this has kind of too been in the back of both of our heads. I think as we've edited stories and written them together, mm-hmm. Mitch, and I think that you agree that as you come to look at the four, five, and three star data, that two, four, seven, and all the ranking services who do a great job. I'm not coming down on them, but I think they miscategorize players. Like if you are a three star prospect who ranks number four fifty four in the country. You are not the same as the three-star prospect who ranks twenty-one hundred. So I think that it's interesting that two-star, and we found a lot of two-stars, like more more than we actually like remember during the process. But the fact that two stars and one stars aren't utilized the same in the same proportion, um, and maybe one star is just like if you get a scholarship anywhere, you're a one star. Yeah, if you have an but offer the, from an FBS program, you're a one star. Yeah, but I would be. I think it would be more accurate if more two-star prospects got like it was normal for a five uh, power five program to sign a two-star because it should be (laughs) five-star prospects should be what it is right like one to 35 ish and then four star i think you can go from like 45 to 300 then i think three star should go from 300 to 800 or 900 or even even a thousand if you want to clean thousand to 1700 and then one star if you're outside of the top 1700 you're a one star that would like really clean it up because i do think that that to me you know why don't you mitch go through and tell the people who are listening if they haven't read the story yet who who the best programs were for five four and three stars and the worst and then we'll go into the numbers okay before we move on from that point (laughs) i did do because i've been so intrigued by this high volume of three stars i looked it up 
Alabama, the average ranking of Alabama's three-star signees during this mm-hmm. time frame. Can was, I guess? Yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I slacked it to you, but you probably didn't read it. I haven't I'll read take, it yet. I'll take 475. 475. Okay. Uh, that would be like roughly where I'm at. Uh, four seventy four to do the prices right thing. Okay, it's, it's <laughs> five ninety two. It's five ninety two. Okay. And Alabama had some flyers and some guys in the in the, in the thousands that other. And let's not forget the kickers did. and punters. Did you rank the kickers and punters in that same? Were no, they part of your average? Um, there was a one or two. Most of the kickers. And punters are a lot of them are two stars. And that's another thing we need to back up. This project does not, and David, you might have said this at the very beginning. Sorry if I missed it. This project does not include two stars. It's three, four, and five. So if we're talking about your favorite team and the numbers are slightly off from research that you're going to go in and do to prove us wrong, you know, we looked up a lot of stuff. There's bound to be a number wrong here or there, but we did not include two stars and no stars. But to put that in context, Alabama's average three star was 592 over the stretch. In the 2023 cycle, six Power Five teams didn't sign a single top one, top 600 recruit. Mm-hmm. So, like the average of Alabama's like worst recruits over the, it's still better than some schools are signing. You know, and now that we have this raw data, I think it can open up a lot more avenues. I think the next step would be, and I don't know if I could look this up in the next month. I got to recover. <laughs> But like I like your idea, and I generally agree with your guys' premise. Uh, before we even look this stuff up, that if you're a five star prospect, it doesn't generally matter where you end up for college. You're going to get drafted. Yeah, the I question think that, that was I like, have that, that more was like so, a central idea of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but go ahead. But Ari, the other ahead, thing ahead, too Ari. is that there is a big difference between being a first round pick and a sixth yes. round pick. So yes. if you go to Alabama. You know, you might have had Alabama might not have been the team that sent the most percentage or the highest percentage of five stars into the draft. But I wonder if the draft positioning of those players was generally higher than other places. I'd I'd probably wager that they are. Uh, But I think I think the the, so like if you're going to try to poke holes in certain things, there are a lot of different ways to to do that. But I think from a general standpoint, this is a very good litmus test of if you are a high school kid and you get drafted, you are a success regardless of where you got drafted Um, and which programs did the best and the worst of taking your rating, your caliber player and producing them into a draft pick, I think is a very large piece of the puzzle of what that power five coach was talking to you about. You know, the core of it is like, it's the idea that if you're a four or five star well, if you want to maximize your ability to go to the draft, you got to go to Alabama. You got to go to Georgia. You got to go to Ohio State. You got to go to LSU. You got to go to Clemson. All these places. That's sort of what we're going after. And I think the data says you don't really. Or that the idea that, oh, you got to play in the SEC if you're an elite guy because the NFL teams, that's what they really care about. And the data across the board, other than three stars, which for reasons that we always talk about with Alabama and LSU and some of those schools saying high three stars. They did well in the three-star. The SEC, no appreciable difference, and they finished, I think, second and third in five-star and four-star percentage. So I think that, that that central thesis that I think a lot of people just hold as a truth in college football, I think the data really disproves. So, also, two kids make their decision under the assumption that it does. Yeah, it's a yes. It's a self-fulfilling prop. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, and yes, I'm going to go into the data in one second, and it's it's really hard not to get caught on tangents because we're really excited about this. But one guy that, to Ari's point about where you're selecting the draft, that like totally throws everything else. Like Trey Smith goes to Tennessee as a five star, has a great career, had some medical issues, almost isn't drafted, sixth round, 
and he starts as a rookie. So like that's just and wins one. A Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, and wins a Super Bowl. That's one kid's like, well, he yeah, was a five star. He's a star in the NFL. Surely he was a top first round draft pick. No, he was sixth round. So there's a lot of examples like well, that. But the, also talent. too, though, the fact of the matter is, is that he's a five star prospect and his physical traits that allowed him to become that or yes. the reason why a team would take a flyer under those circumstances too. Yes. So like true. if you're a three-star prospect with general, you know, solid measurables, then you would fall out of the draft. If you're a five-star, you don't because of that physical ability. And I heard you guys talking before I got on, you know, just in the back room here about what makes a five-star prospect. And it's just like, that's the thing that is the truth. You have to be physically built and physically capable of doing things that your peers cannot do. And that transcends what colors you wear on Saturday. Like if you are that type of person that you're going to get drafted anyway, because nobody is doing what you can do. And I'm sure listeners have been around. Some of them have, some of them have not. If you have never like interacted on a person to person basis with like a five-star lineman, like I really can't tell you just how, they're just giant people and most of the time they're proportional, but they're just like every like limb of your body is like, just it's, it, it's hard to describe how big those people are. We call them what the get off the bus all stars. And like, you know, Trey's a good example of that. Um, I'm going to say Gerald McCoy back in the day. I covered Here, here's a guy you know who the, D- David, here's no. a guy you cover. And I've talked about this in the pod and my seven years of doing sideline, uh, radio for Vanderbilt. That was a, a great seat. I'm literally on the sideline watching these mm-hmm. guys. Derek Barnett and AJ Brown. Was AJ Brown a five star? I don't know if he was. Mm, I don't believe so. I believe he's a four star. Ole Miss had okay. a lot of five stars. Yeah. They did AJ well, Brown but... and Derek Barnett were the two most impressive, two of the most impressive that you just look at them and be like, that's a Dude. different type yeah. of human being. And part of it is like a wide receiver. I had the best view of a wide receiver. They would line up like right in front of me and mm-hmm. uh, Derek Barnett on the on the edge. So there's countless guys like that. But those are two guys I'll never forget. You know which one with. that I'll never forget, guys? Uh, I've, you've, you've, Chase. Yes. I've heard Chase you talk about Young him. Chase Young came to Ohio State on his official visit. We're talking about a six-foot-six giant that had biceps the size of my thigh muscles. And a six pack. Like, Basically, I've never slightly seen better a, in shape, Bill Landis, right? I've never seen a human <laughs> being that big, shaped, so chiseled. And like yeah. you, and then you like, oh, he's one of the best young defensive <laughs> linemen in the NFL. Who anybody c- c- could just look at this human being and know this was going to happen. Yeah. So, like, to that's, me, I think the, the five stars. Okay, the five stars. The five stars are the guys yes. that you don't need to be a draft or a recruiting analyst to point out. Okay, let's, it's hard let's, to screw up, but the data says it's easier than you'd think to screw up. Yeah. So, so David, let me be sure I get this right. For for our charts that you see in the story, for five star, it was a minimum of five f- five signed, which seems a little low. But there's you know, there's only when, so when, when a few of the schools are signing a bunch, there there wouldn't be enough schools to qualify. So these schools did not qualify, but five schools who signed more than one five star batted a thousand. It was Arizona and Mississippi State. Both were three for three. In Washington, Virginia Tech, and Kansas State went two for two. And again, before I dive into the numbers, David, we've got one more tangent. Why don't you talk about the way we handled transfers, which weren't very prevalent until recent. This this rash of transfers we're seeing yes. in the past few years does not factor in this. It's after it. But how did we handle transfers? Why don't you so we had a lot of discussion about yes. this because it's there's no clean way to do it. So the way that we decided was, hey – a kid signs with you. If his next step is not into the NFL draft, he does not count as a draft pick for your school. 
Now, that gets into so the the two examples, the high profile examples that we will talk about is like okay, Jalen Hurts obviously had established himself as a very good player. He was not a five star, but he obviously had established himself as a very good player, and then transferred uh, to Oklahoma where he had another good year, became a draft pick, doing quite well in the NFL. Um, so that's sort of that's sort of complicated, all right? Because who should get credit for him? If you want to say, well, Alabama should get credit, okay, but like at some point we have to just say this is how it's going to be. And so, but then when you get into situations like Justin Fields or Joe Burrow, LSU obviously should get credit for Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow did nothing at Ohio State. They shouldn't get credit for developing him, all that stuff. Justin Fields, same thing. They didn't let him do a whole lot at um, uh, at Georgia. Ohio State should get credit for developing him. They do in this in this project. So that's just how we did it. Yeah, can't. There's no. We can't go through and make a judgment call on every single transfer. So if right. you signed a five star and he eventually transfers away then you have one five-star that you did not turn into a draft pick, even if later in his career he became a draft pick, just so that we're clear. Good. You can yell also, at us Mitch, if you like, you, but that's just – we have to do it consistently. You said Arizona when you were talking. I want to be Arizona clear State. that was Arizona State. Oh, sorry. I apologize. Yeah. Um, so I had it written down correctly. I misspoke. So, Two transfers in there, by the way. Jack Jones and Christian Westerman from uh, Auburn. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so so five-star you ended up being Stanford. Now, a low number, five drafted, six signed, and we're not going to go over every one for every school, but I did just look this up. This, the, the, five, the, the six five-stars signed were three of them in the 2017 class. Foster Serrell, offensive tackle, Walker Little, offensive tackle, and Davis Mills, quarterback, were in the 17 class. Then you had Solomon Thomas, defensive end in 14, and then Kyle Murphy, offensive tackle, and Andrus Pete, offensive tackle. So basically, it's offensive tackle you. The one Stanford five-star who was not drafted was Foster Serrell, who was in the NFL, was on the Chargers this year, played in five games. So, uh, if I again, recall, didn't the Stanford have to fight off basically the entire SEC for Andrus Pete? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember his recruitment. I just that, that's when Stanford. I remember had a it was. Role. I remember it was pretty heated, but I don't remember exactly. Yeah, that that's when it was. Uh, they were like offensive tackle. You, they were line of scrimmage. You, they were getting mm-hmm. some guys on the defensive line too. Uh, number two is Clemson, twelve of sixteen, and that's a pretty good volume. Pretty that's good. That, that's in that next tier of the non-Alabama, uh, Georgia range. So seventy-five percent. Texas A and M, eight of eleven at seventy-two point seven percent. I'll just read a few more. We need a, a war him drop there after the A&M announcement. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, uh, and you can follow along if you've got the story here on the charts. We've got these charts in there. Miami, the U, 5 of 7, 71.4%. And then Alabama. Wait, is, it, is it this? Is it two fingers or one? Uh, well, Mike, Mike this Zimmerman, is our producer, needs to, uh, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing over there? Yeah. The I don't know. I was. Oh, wait. No, it's the full hand, right? Yeah, I think it's so. The full yeah. hand. My bad. Yeah. My yeah. bad. That's on me. That's on me. Stick to the SEC, buddy, okay? Um, and then <laughs> I need Alab- a turnover chain. Alabama, number one in five stars, drafted with 30, number one in five stars, okay. signed with 44, and they, they 68 per, 68.2% Very of Alabama's number, five stars were drafted. that volume. Let me – be the first to say this. Okay. It's my honor. He's not going to be the I feel confident. Stars matter? Either, what... either Ari truly will be the first person to say this or the 500th. I'm excited yes. to hear this. Ari. Uh, probably the 500th. It's like when you listen to local <laughs> sports talk and a guy Jesus calls Christ, in. man. Uh, Go ahead. 44 signees, 30 out of 44 Alabama, right? Yes, correct. Five stars. Is a different ball game than six out of five. So like Stanford out of right six. now, can't have six or out of five, five out of six. We know uh, yeah. we had to have a cutoff though. The cutoff 
was necessary. But to get 68.2% into the NFL when you sign 44, that's more than double than the four teams ahead of them. So, like, there is context that needs to be applied to this conversation. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because... But that's uh, sort of the whole question is if, is if uh, you know, one school has six and gets five. Well, if you took half of Bama's five stars and those guys could get into Stanford and went to Stanford, you know, would they still have the similar amount of success? I think probably yes, right? That's, that's yes, sort that's, of the question that we sort that's of... That's what the data talk. suggests. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alabama deserves the credit, obviously, for getting them and producing them Hard at to a do. great rate. But it's the data shows that, you know, you can go to a lot of places, which we suspected. Yeah. Yeah. It would be interesting to to be able to do like a simulator, like a Madden simulator of this <laughs> and kind of change the direction of the schools because I believe that's the theory of relativity or like alternate universes. So we could have, have a clone physics breakout and send yeah. them to three because schools and see if how I, they develop. Now do we're think talking. That there is some question as to whether or not you can just ex- extrapolate out from six to forty-four and think that the pattern would maintain. Like there has to be some sort of you. you there's a limb to jump there. Right. You know, we're not saying it's the same percentage. We're just, you know, it's just you don't have to go to one of those schools to get. Drafted. And I think too, there's a lot of places that signed five or six. There's not very many that signed forty-four. It's like Bama, yeah, Ohio. There's like three to five schools that get that volume. So well, this too also was like, the thing yeah. that stood out to me was that they signed 44 and Georgia signed 34 and Ohio State signed 23. So like Alabama legitimately almost signed over a 10-year period, double the five stars that Ohio State did. So if you're trying to figure out like I believe they also why they were the so good, titles, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that there might be a correlation between those two things. <laughs> Maybe. But also Florida State with 27 blew me away. Yeah. Well, this Shout is out early. To yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Okay, guys, it's time to look at the, the other worst. end of the spectrum. And this will not be this will not be a surprise. Ari, I hate to tell you, Texas not back, or they weren't back at any time. Only- but I did, Dave, tell you. Did I say before you add this up, <laughs> Dave? You're going to get a Texas surprise in here. But before we even got the numbers, I told them that this was going to happen. Four it's of true, the but 17, number two, I was floored with. Yeah, the four of the seventeen five stars that Texas signed for twenty three point five percent is the worst among qualifiers, and it's not good. Oklahoma was second at three out of 12, only 25%. A few more, and then we'll dive into these. Auburn at four out of 13. Next, Tennessee, four out of 10. Notre Dame, three out of seven, 
But when you're in a number like Notre Dame, one player, you know, makes a huge difference in your, your percentages there. So um, it's very interesting that Oklahoma has had so much success with four star draftees. Um, you know, they are just outside the top 10 in four star and yet the worst or second worst in five star. They just have had bad luck with with big time guys, you know, Brandon Williams, Keith Ford. Um, who I mean, Kyle, oh, they they inherited Kyler, right? Uh, turned him, so that's he counts. That, counted, that counted for them. Um, but uh, I'm forgetting some. Oh, uh, Bray Walker is the most recent example um, for them that just has not turned out great for them. Um, it just they Jeremy Calhoun. They've had some just rough uh runs with the five star guys where it just has not worked out. Well, well like, you can't call it bad Texas luck and, and then rip on Texas either, too. It's like it's. it's well, yeah, I wouldn't call it luck. It's just yeah, a matter okay. of hey, and that's over two coaches. That's part of the Stoops it, it, era, and that's right. part of the Lincoln Riley. And Ari, go ahead in just a second, but I do want to stress. We keep saying, this, especially for the five star. I think the data for the three and four star, the numbers are enough that they mean more. Like, not saying these numbers don't mean, but when you've got these low numbers, a few players here or there really changes your percentage. So kind of keep that with a little bit of grain of salt with the five stars. But go ahead. Yeah, and, and we'll get more context too, like as we go on into the three and four stars. But like we always joke, or I do with Andy, of like I look at Texas and I look at what they're bringing in and I go, why the hell can that team not win regular Big 12 games? Like, I, like regular season games. And it's just like, well – what is the problem? Is it the coaching? Is it the de- it's it's just it's not one thing. It's, yes, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they had we, one of the things we pointed to was you know Jonathan Gray and Jackson Jeffcoat are the two biggest standouts. Jonathan Gray, I mean, maybe the best high school running back. You know, him and Derrick Henry are probably on the short list. The two of the best high school running backs probably ever. Um, Jackson Jeffcoat, very good player. His dad played in the league for a long time. Has gone into coaching. Both those guys they had injuries. A lot of stuff happened to them, but they were still like you know functional players. Did not get drafted. And that's hard to, I mean, somewhat hard to believe. I mean, Jackson Jeffcoat, especially, I mean, he looked dominant at times. I believe he won the the, the Ted Hendricks Award. He's the fourth highest rated uh, recruit in Texas history. Which is saying Modern something. history. Modern history. Yeah. And, you know, those guys just did not get drafted. Um, so, you know, I, I think Texas, considering how much talent they've had and considering the modest amount of success um, and, and Sam Ellinger's pre- premature proclamation of we're back, you know, Sark's got his work cut out for him. That's where it it's starts, like funny. getting elite guys and, and making them great players. Like if the Manning family would have gotten this this spreadsheet before they made a commitment. <laughs> you know, like it's like, you know, and, you know, it's a new coach, so you can't, you know, 10 years. This data is before Sark, right? Yes. Or like the very first year, maybe there's a one year of overlap. But like. Uh, yeah, if you want to count, yeah, the 22 draft. Yeah, so. The, the lack of ability of taking the five-star talent and at least squeezing enough out because like honestly if you're a five-star press prospect and you get drafted in the sixth or seventh round something went wrong yeah like that to me is like not getting drafted at all is is like a real blunder so you know and a okay, lot of the we'll times to- when it, well, a lot of times when that has happened it's because of off the field stuff trey mcguire at oklahoma was a very famous instance of that we, we kind of referenced thomas johnson at texas a&m you know texas a&m had some real success some off the field issues, uh, to say the least, there, and w- so we see that a lot with five stars. I would like to look at the five stars who did not have any sort of injury, no off the field, and yeah. weren't drafted. That would be I bet you it's very low. I yeah, bet I, you it is too. Yeah, so that'd, that'd be interesting. So, all right, guys, we, there's so much we can talk about, but I think we probably need to move on to four stars because we still have, uh, you know. And this is where I think when we're talking about development, I actually think four stars is like the truest test. I, uh, I agree. Can you take can you take 
a very promising piece and turn it into something. Because five stars, it's a matter of don't screw this up. Like this guy's special. Yeah. Three stars, I actually think is more about evaluation and fit than pure development. Yes, there's a development aspect to it, but I think four star is the purest development because I think four stars can fit in a lot of places. Three stars, I think you have to find a guy that fits. I think what you, you should do. add that point in mm-hmm. Perhaps. to the written product because we are Maybe spoiler alert recording this <laughs> uh, before it went up. Are so, you giving uh, it all yeah. away? No, I, I just like that's a, that's a, I didn't think of it that way, Dave, and I, I think know. that's absolutely right. Yeah. No, and, and Ari and I have talked about this a lot, and it's so – we always compliment the, the recruiting services. They do a really good job. But it is really difficult to tell the difference between the, the, the 592 guy and the 720 guy. And that's why programs like Wake Forest are good because Dave Clawson and his staff have identified the guys that fit their system. And that's and, why they're proportionately being paid a lot more than right, people right. who rank them too. So yeah, yeah, so, that's so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Mitch, give us give us our number one four star U four star U from Waco, Texas, Baylor. Eleven four stars drafted, twenty nine signed for a thirty seven point nine percentage. Now, of the top ten teams that qual- what was our four star U cutoff? David it was twenty, right? Twenty total. Twenty signed. total signees. That's two per year ish. Yeah. So Baylor. Not at the border, but they were close. So there's a lot of teams on this list that are much yes. signed much higher. And I think Baylor Baylor is a very interesting case because a lot of these schools, the ones that thrived, you know, Alabama, um, obviously uh, there. You look at uh, you know our five star U, Penn State, um, you know, uh, Ohio State, matter, you know, and their Clemson. The places that have done well have had coaching continuity. Like that's a that's yeah. a pretty decent amount of layover. Baylor has not. Baylor has had three coaches over the span that we looked at. And now the note is that all three of those coaches, none of them uh, left because of on-field performance. Obviously, the Arbrowse situation at Baylor, you know that th- there's been that's been well chronicled. Matt Rule rises them from a real messy situation, goes from one win to the Sugar Bowl in three years, goes to the Panthers. Uh, now he's back at Nebraska, obviously, and now Dave Aranda. So you have three coaches. Um, you know, by the time that our data started, it was right at the start of Baylor's rise. I think 2009 would have been RG3's freshman year, I believe. Um, so you're sort of at the start of the Baylor sort of revival. And then now you're sort of, you know, at the back end where Randa has it going and, and he's got it going. But for them to do this and have this sort of success over the course of three coaches, I think is even more impressive because there's so many variables that come into that. And then you have transfers and guys leaving and all that stuff with all that turnover. Baylor, it didn't matter. Here's another program that has not had coaching stability. Miami is second, and they have a high volume. Baylor, remember, keep in mind, Baylor signed 29. I'm looking at my data, so I couldn't see you on the screen. Uh, Miami (laughs) had 31 of 88 for 35.2%. LSU, three, 48 of 142 drafted, 33.8. Ohio State, 49 of 149 at 32.9. And then Alabama was next at 30.6%. And then Notre Dame, NC State, Georgia, Clemson, and Utah. Utah is one that I think we would probably suspect would be on this list. Now, they're only at 27.6%. But, yes, staff definitely staff continuity there. Ari, you you are always quick to, to – to, point out and credit Dabo Sweeney for being such a great evaluator. They show up on the five-star U and they show up on four-star U. We'll get to three-star U, but no surprise to see Clemson on here. Yeah, it's also like no surprise to see that Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia are reflected on both 
mm-hmm. uh, these first two lists that we do. And it's it's interesting because, you know, on one hand, when you say if a five-star prospect goes somewhere, anywhere, he'll get drafted, kind of takes away the credit from the big-time programs. But as you go down these lists, you also can see that those big-time programs uh, – and again, the same thing is true about three stars and – with four stars, they pl- there's a four star prospect who's ranked number fifty is not the same as a pers- a four star that's ranked two ninety nine, mm-hmm. um, but the development from the big time schools is consistent from five four and then eventually we'll see at three too. Um, so like seeing Clemson and their ability to do this is like one of the least surprising things. And you know, honestly speaking, I think the most interesting thing about this whole thing is how successful Miami has been in creating draft picks out of their four star prospects but not having a very good football team because for the most part. You could look at this list and say, you know, Baylor's had great teams. Um, Miami hasn't been very good for the last decade, but LSU won a national championship. Ohio State won a national championship. Alabama won one. Notre Dame made it to the playoff twice. Georgia was back-to-back champions. Clemson has two. Utah's won the Pac-12 a few times. Like all of these teams that have done a good job of developing their four-star prospects have also translated that into good football teams. So like for Miami to be number two on this list, but also have a bad team uh, during that part, I was kind of one of the more surprising ones that like in the entire data that we found, I thought Miami here was weird. Mitch, yeah. I, I gotta, I gotta introduce the worst four-star you. This one is, I, I, because here's I did, the, wait, you, okay. I did all these just, charts. I've seen all these numbers, been looking at them for two weeks. I didn't realize how bad this team was. In four, I, at four-star I, year. It, I'll let our listeners who have not seen the story, I'll give you a moment to guess. Because if you were just pulling names out of a hat, you would not guess this in a billion, gazillion years. And they did not come I close s- to just qualifying. They, they are yes. well over the number. This is not a sample size. But when I say it, math. you'll say, oh, yeah. Yeah. In a league of their own, <laughs> more less than half the percentage of anyone else. Like, we did all this data. They are incredibly <laughs> bad. Okay, out of, all, out of the six categories, three, four, five star, top and bottom, this one is the widest gap. The, the it's widest not even gap. close. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Congratulations to the Nebraska Cornhuskers. <laughs> three, they signed sixty-seven four stars. Three of them were drafted. I that's I don't even know how that's possible. We could Mitch. put us that three is... on the staff. Ari's offensive coordinator. <laughs> I'm special teams. Dave, your defensive coordinator, we're going to get more than three drafts. I'm not that trying to like help wild. save this program from the humiliation that it probably deserves. I wonder how many four-star prospects Nebraska has signed that got drafted from another school. The recent transfer, it's just recent. Yeah, because they've had a lot of people leave. They're, but two, highest the rated, they're two highest rated four-stars. Uh, Aaron Green finished at TCU. Tyjon Lindsey ended up at Oregon State. Wondell Robinson went to Kentucky, had a really nice year, got drafted. There's probably some more. Um, you know, uh, we have some names that have stood out, but um, it wouldn't have helped question, them get Ari. off this list. But the it's question still, no. still be last or first. Well, Mitch, and here's the thing with Nebraska that I think is interesting, because, and this has to get added too, I think. We talk about all the time, well, Nebraska signs top 25 classes every year. How come they're so bad? It's like, A, it's development, but two, Nebraska might just be the worst evaluating team for their system that they could possibly like, – Well, they were like under that, the last staff, yeah. Well, when, yeah, you, have tra- staff, when you have turnover like, like that, you're, you can evaluate to your system because then your system changes. No system. This is one of the reasons yeah. why continuity is, is a major plus in this. Here, Okay, Tennessee is second. Not a surprise. Lack of continuity. Wow. They, Tons of talent at Tennessee. Flat, Troubles on the field. Right. Flashy recruiting classes, off the field drama, guys leaving. You know, that's norm, That's stabilized last couple of years. 
So Tennessee out of 105 draft picks, they only had uh, 105 four stars signed. They only had 10 drafted. This next one's a little bit of a surprise. Ari, you can speak to this. This is your your old neck of the woods. Michigan State third at just 9.6 percent. Five. I would have guessed the opposite. Yes. Yeah. A lot. That's the thing. So much of this data just challenges perception. And like, this is one of the reasons why I like this project is because I think we all three went into this with the purest of hearts. I'm curious. <laughs> I don't know what the answer to this is. I think we all suspected that the idea that, the, that we are, have our nose pressed up against the glass. We've we should have guessed five before stars. we did this. We should have guessed. Yeah, we should have. We yeah. have our nose, but we, we know, hey, if uh, Derrick Henry had gone to Purdue, He's probably still going to be a freak. Like it's that just is what it is. So that was sort of the one thing that I think we all sort of walked into this with some preconceived notions. And the big schools still, obviously, we've talked about have done really well. But you just don't know. People think of Michigan State. Oh, Mark D'Antoni, he gets the most out of these guys. And in wins, you're probably right. They've had a lot of success. They've gotten to the playoff. That's not translated to to pro success. Mel Tucker, you know, just finished up his second year. Probably too soon. To, this is mostly a D'Antonio situation that we're looking at, but very surprising. Yes. Um, fourth on this list is a school we've talked a lot about, Texas. 146 four-stars. That is 41 more than anyone else on this list. Only 17 drafted, 11.6%. Then rounding out our top 10 for worst four-star uh, producers of draft picks is Rutgers, Texas A&M, Oregon, a little bit of a surprise here. TCU, Maryland, and Missouri. So I have no answer for you for why Texas A&M can be so good at developing five stars and so bad at that's one of the most interesting things of this data. I think it's. I think I'll go five star. A little bit small numbers, sample size there. You know, mm-hmm. smaller sample size, freakier athlete. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It is strange. You would think that if you'd be good at one, you'd be right. good at all. I do yeah. think too. You know, we talked about hey, if you if you have a five star and and this is a credit to AM. If you have a five star and he becomes a sixth rounder, something goes wrong. But it's not that easy to take an elite recruit, a five star kid, a top ten kid, and turn them into a first rounder. That's harder than I think people think. And Miles Garrett is sort of the poster child. Uh, I believe he was the number one overall recruit, maybe number two yeah, in his class. Becomes the number one overall pick. That is a credit to Kevin Sumlin and their staff at that time. That's not the easiest thing in the world to do. Um, no so doubt. props to them. There's a lot of things that can go wrong, injuries, all those things. Um, but to, to, to convert a guy from top overall recruit to top overall draft pick, that line is not always straight. Yes. Yeah, but oh. seeing Texas on both bottom lists, it's like mm-hmm. crystallizes yep. <laughs> the, yeah. the dysfunction. Yeah. Um, All right, we're going to go over three stars now, top and bottom, and then we'll have some time for some kind of takeaways. We'll we'll just roundtable, bounce around. But Ari, I would like you to introduce – you might not have the numbers in front of you, but I'll let you introduce three-star you. They've had 68 three-stars signed. They drafted – they had 14 drafted. It's a school that you're very familiar with. Tell us who it is, Ari. And before this, we did some predictions. I told you guys, three-star U is going to be one of the – Props to you, Ari. Three-star U is going to be one of the national championship winners contenders. And Ohio State is three-star U, uh, 68 three-star signed, 14 drafted, 20.6%. And then guess who uh, follows them? LSU, 103 uh, signed, 21 drafted, 20.4%. And then third is – Alabama, 65, uh, <laughs> signed, uh, 13, drafted, 20%. Florida, next, 113, 21, 18.6%. Oklahoma uh, rounds out the top five, 135, uh, signed, 25, drafted, uh, 18.5%. Then you also have Arkansas, Penn State, Florida State, Stanford, and Wisconsin on this list. So 
you know, like Mitch said at the beginning of this, um, a lot of this has to do with the fact that the top, the caliber of three-star prospects signed by the places like Ohio State um, and Georgia and Alabama and all these are are much higher caliber than, you know, the three stars that are signed. And also, too, the thing that I don't know if we said this, but, you know, it's important to, to just say it's simple math. But the more of a prospect you sign in, in total numbers, the harder it is to maintain a higher percentage. Um, it's harder. It's easier to get to 50 percent from 10 than it is from 200. Um but still, it's just like kind of like the entire notion of like as obvious or as interesting as it might seem that anybody can get drafted from anywhere if they're a five star prospect. The the notion that these programs that are winning national championships don't develop or recruit as well as, you know, some of the middle tier programs that overachieve uh, their recruiting rankings on a given year is also a misnomer. So, um, yeah, like that to me was the least surprising thing ever. Um, you know, I, if anybody watched the national championship game this past year, you know, Georgia, the big bad wolf that was playing TCU, the lovable underdog had three stars making it rain all over the field that entire game. Jordan um, Davis two years ago, you know, Lad McConkey, you know I mean? Like th- they had guys out there that were three-star prospects that were really, really good. So yeah. Um, the one thing too, I want to add before I, I kick it to you guys is like we said, Wisconsin or sorry, uh, two-star prospects. Uh, weren't taken into account here. So just because you're not three-star you doesn't mean that you don't do a good job of developing. And I want to use Wisconsin as a example because I I added up the Big Ten. Wisconsin had, I think, like 12 two-stars drafted, which is one of the more remarkable things. It can be our unofficial two-star you because we didn't calculate the data, but I don't remember seeing anybody even close to that. Yeah. I don't remember seeing anybody more than three or five, three, four or five. And maybe we should make a note of that too. But like it's just, to me – of anything that I saw on this list that blew me away as impressive, like that to me is as impressive as anything that anyone else did. Um, and that doesn't, uh, that doesn't get accounted for in the numbers that we calculated. So I just wanted to make sure, uh, well, actually Wisconsin's also one of the top 10, three-star used too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, there is a correlation. Between 186, they had the most on this of all the yeah. top 10, they had the most. Um, and as you go down like stature, like as you go down from Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state, and those teams, like and you start getting into the, to the TCUs and the Wisconsin's those teams have signed maybe double or triple as many three-star prospects over the course of the past 10 years than the teams that are signing five stars because their entire classes are three stars. Literally Wisconsin has signed three times as many five stars as Alabama. I mean, yeah. And it's because that's their entire class. Their entire classes are five are three stars. So, you know, the fact that they are able to produce is huge. So yeah, but you know, here we are again, uh, you know, looking at some really interesting numbers here and, um, yeah, let me you, let me put it into the bottom. Well, no, uh, real quick, there's one program we have not mentioned at all. I mean, you mentioned him casually in passing here, but on any of the previous lists, Florida makes a guest appearance, a program that has not had great stability. They are number four on the three star U at, at 18.6%. So good to see the Gators make Florida a guest appearance. Florida does not recruit at the elite level that I think some people definitely not. That they do, they did during the urban era, sort of toward the end there. But Florida, you know, does not, you know, they have not been quite as dominant as people think. 18 five-star signees over the course that we looked at. That's fewer than LSU. That's only five more than Auburn. That's half as many, basically, as Georgia at 34. Quite a bit less than Alabama. They've recruited fine, but they're not, but like Florida, yeah. you know, has not like been Their like 2010 a, class, I think, had five five-star prospects in it. So, yeah. but you, you know, like what Napier is turning into, Ari, and we, we've, we've talked about this on Stars Matter. 
they're almost like four star you now. Like their class last year lacked the elite top fifty guys, but they mm-hmm. were their blue chip ratio was outstanding. Off the top of my head, it might have been like eighteen of twenty one. I think they're off to yes. another good start this year. So they, they got are, a ton of guys ranked below two hundred, and I just like I kind of feel for Florida because like it's like oh well you might not have thought that your thought that were. Florida recruited better than it did over that period. It's like, well, they've kind of stunk that entire time. So it's like not that surprising. And like their number one and number two competition in the entire conference is like signing 19 top 100 players in a given class. So like they're kind of in a weird spot there. It's like, yeah, good luck. But um, yeah, seeing Florida on the list was nice. But like also to when you do the bottom, who you want to do the bottom, Dave? Because I think you get. Well, I think okay, it gets to the ahead, bottom man. of three star you, and this is where you go. This is a list of teams where you say, "Y'all have had a rough decade." <laughs> There's also, some exceptions yeah. here. They're average but, recruits in the 900 to yes. 1100 range, too. Like okay, number so one, I'll, no surprise, the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, shout out to Lance Leipold for I think that's going to turn around in a hurry because I think Kansas has had a uniquely awful last decade. You know, it turned uh, overnight. On Mark Mangino, who was five and zero and in the top fifteen, and then lost their last seven games in two thousand nine, I believe. Maybe that's two thousand ten. Um, and then he never coached there again. And then Turner Gill started them down this road. Charlie Weiss dug them in a deeper hole. You know, David Beatty did his best, but you can't get him out of here. We're all Lance doing our Leipold. best, David. Yeah. yeah. Well, not everybody. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Charlie Weiss didn't do his best. Yeah. So maybe he did. Maybe you know, it was his it, best. It, it, They've been in a hole. So them being here, you know, there's not one thing or one person that can blame for that. It's a lot of guys. Uh, You know, Les Miles didn't help them either there. Iowa State, number two, very interesting. Iowa State, I thought it would have had a lot more players drafted. They have had some success, not a ton of consistency, but they reach up and bite you. They've had some really good years. Um, You know, Matt Campbell obviously has done a good job, but the draft production has not been there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I did some just before we came on. I did a little Iowa State research because we think Iowa State, Matt Campbell, developing players. So they have had eleven draft picks. This includes two stars. Um, in this span, seven of the eleven have come since 2019. So that tells you that Matt Campbell is okay. that reputation that he has carved out is kind of worthy. They're getting they're getting a lot more guys drafted in the last three or four years than they were in the, in the earlier. Mitch is out here. I heard yeah, you guys like advanced stats. I got some advanced stats to put on your advanced. Well, stats. well it's <laughs> also too like you have to keep into account too that like a lot of what we talk about on our podcast and have covered on the athletic are like four years and newer because mm-hmm. of you know just but this data goes back a decade. And it can kind of show you too, like how bad it kind of what like to me, like if I were an Iowa State fan, I and I heard that stat that Mitch just shared, I'd be like, hell yeah, like mm-hmm. that is like a, a repair of the ailment, you know. Um, but also sure, too, it's just like a, dec- a decade is a long time, um, and mediocrity over the course of a long period, kind of stuff. I mean, I just like look at these numbers though, and I just see you have signed as a Power Five program, two hundred and twenty-two players. And you only had seven drafted. It's like, what's going on there? 
Like, well, I can, I can tell you what going on, what's going on. It, it hasn't been great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so number three. Speaking of bright futures, Ari, the Colorado Buffaloes. That is a number. So we didn't really get into this, but I think because of transfers and because so many players that are established and grow themselves and then transfer up or go somewhere else or all these kinds of things with the transfer. This is kind of the last time that I think like we're probably two years past this data being, I wouldn't say perfect, but more accurate with the transfers, but like who develops who, you know, like Osiris Torrance, right? Um, uh, He built himself up in Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah, Like a three-star, two-star guy. He's obviously like a big body, goes to Florida for a year, and now he's going to be, you know, what, a second-round pick, something like that. There's going to be a lot of those guys. Like, we've already seen some of them. Um, you know, Jabril Cox did that at, at North Dakota State, going to LSU. So, like, LSU doesn't deserve credit for developing that guy. So, I think these numbers can, will get out of whack in the future. Colorado will be interesting. Obviously, a bunch of transfers, but they are number three on our worst list, 3.5%. Duke. Washington State, Syracuse, Northwestern, Arizona, Purdue, TCU. TCU, the only school there that's had some big-time success. They've won the Big 12, was it, once? Got to the playoff, obviously, last year. Co-champions in 2014. That's a major bowl success. Um, The other thing that stuck out to me, no SEC schools on the bottom 10 of three-star U. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know if there's been very many SEC schools. Maybe I mean, Vandy, Vanderbilt was close yeah. to this list. I mean, as far as the worst, uh, I could look at. They're probably in the you know. I wonder five. how you many look SEC four, you, look, you look at the four star. You've got Tennessee. You've got uh, TCU. I mean, you've got Missouri. Uh, you've got Texas A and M. Uh, you know, five star U Auburn. Shows I think up the to answer to this question LSU. though is that TC there aren't very many SEC schools that have come close to signing two hundred three star prospects in a decade. Yeah. So like mo- so that's like to me it's like the higher number of. Like with the three stars specifically, the higher number of total signed, the, there's a direct correlation with that to lower quality of three too. Because if that is yeah. your entire yeah. class, then that means that you're probably more likely to have been recruiting in the 1,000 to 1,500 range more so yeah. than you know, like if Tennessee gets a three star prospect, they're probably ranked 650 instead of a thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that to me, it's like it's like when you have a three star. When you sign 200 three-star prospects, you're behind the eight ball before the, the game starts. So being bad, I think, is more excusable than if you're really bad at five or four because you're like beating the odds with high percentages here. Um, but still, I think, pretty telling. Okay, so I went in and everything we've talked about so far has been three-star, four-star, five-star only. I went in and, and combined the data and tried to come up with my own developmental you, whatever. And I, I – I'll just read what I wrote. No program did a better job than Boston College of producing draft picks relative to its recruiting rankings. I've got a spreadsheet with everyone's recruiting rankings over the last 20 years. So This was an interesting number, Mitch. Consider the following. The Eagles were 64th out of 65 Power 5 teams, and we're not including the the four new Power 5 teams. Who was 65, Mitch? Kansas State. The Uh, Eagles uh, were 64th in average class ranking during this stretch yet ranked 34th in percent of signees drafted. They draft, They had zero five-stars and only 11, only seven four-stars. Now, here's something that helped them out. They're two-stars. They had a lot of two-stars. Those counted in the draft part, but not but in, the, in, the, yeah. in the, the denominator, but not the – no, that whatever. You, I don't remember. It's been a long time since I've taken you know, real math. They, the, <laughs> so that helped them to a degree. 
So, but think of that. Their average recruiting ranking was 64th. Their average draft percentage was 34th. A couple of, I'll, let you, I'll turn it over to you guys in a second. There were four other programs that had at least a 20 spot difference between their average recruiting ranking and percent of signees drafted. Two on the positive developmental side and two on the negative side. Iowa was plus 24, 46th in average class, 22nd percent drafted. Wisconsin was plus 21, 21 spots higher. The two negatives were Tennessee and Texas, which we've talked about. Texas, I know there's a lot of numbers, apologize, but Texas was seventh in average draft class, 35th in percent of guys drafted. So what you're saying, Mitch, is that Steve Adazio is one of the great coaches of our time. I'm not saying it. The numbers are saying <laughs> Just guys being dude. <laughs> hey, hey, Dave, I know that you and I have to play rock, paper, scissors on who gets to write what column. But like, can I just like ask right now in front of everybody? Can I have Texas? Uh, I will. Ari, <laughs> if I had a sword right now, I would knight you. I will let you talk about your beloved Texas Longhorns and how much they've disappointed you over the last 10 years and caused great physical pain to you and your pet thesis. Is the headline, they're back, dot, 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 to not producing draft picks? <laughs> I, I, I like honestly want to leave the podcast right now, go to my room, rip off the tarp, turn on the fan, and just start going to work. Like, I, like, I've, got, I've got like – You forgot about FaceTiming me while the tarp is off. I've got like fire coming out of my fucking ears right now. Just like It is like so bad. Like it is like – honestly, like it is awful. Awful. Well, I think, Awful. again, all right, for as much as this is ha- – like, listen, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of reasons. But I do think that for a lot of the Texas stuff – and it, it, I guess you could say chicken or the egg, but continuity has been an issue at Texas. You know, there's a lot of reasons for that. If you let – you know, if you let Mac stick around, you don't run Mac out of town. Um, you know, if you say, you hey – You can't say that a five-star prospect can go anywhere and get drafted in the same breath and then say that continuity is their problem. I'm just saying that that is a big reason for why they are where they're at. I think and don't try to bring me down with rational thought. I'm going full <laughs> bore on this stuff. I, I, think, hey, you know, I, I edit his stuff. The rational thought is usually not involved. Dude, in like honestly speaking, like what would be a good what would be like a good like lead for this? Like Arch? Like they just got the most coveted recruit of all time. And it's just like wasn't that big of a surprise because Texas is always good. And we always, or Texas is always good at recruiting, and we always think they're right around the corner from, but Arch isn't going to save Texas. Like, yeah. fixing that fucking I mean, number is what's going to save Texas. I think you had, you had some options, right? You didn't have to run Mac out of town, I guess, in theory. You know, Charlie didn't give you a choice. Three losing seasons in a row, like, whatever. Herman was a little bit more complicated. Like, you know, there's a lot of, you know, dynamics that, are, that were play, in play there. Herman had some success. He did some things. They had some, you know, Sam Ellinger, you know, had a really nice run there. They, they did have some players. And I, I just think that that continuity is a, I mean, if you, if you do any of the things that I said, if you let Max stick around for, you know, three more years, four more years, maybe 10 more years, he's doing pretty well at North Carolina right now. He still had some juice left in him. Or if you let Herman stick around for the last years, are these numbers different? I would say probably slightly better. I would Am agree. I wrong? I still think they would be on the bottom list. Yeah, they wouldn't be good, but they would be slightly better. I don't know that they'd be totally on the bottom. That's a, that's an interesting question. I just like I'm trying to like, and we don't have to turn this into what we've spent this entire feed is already bitching about Texas, but <laughs> um, yeah, like that. 
Like every I mean, single look, identifiable Matt, metric we have here, they're terrible at it. Matt got fired for winning 25 or what? 25 games in his last three years. That's the most successful three-year period of Texas football since Tom Herman did that wow. in his last three years and also got fired. So I, I wrote this column like a year or two years ago. I think it was, it was talking about the, the Jim Harbaugh thing at Michigan that firing a good coach to try and find the great coach backfires like 80% of the time. <laughs> and that's not to say that you can't aspire for more, that you can't aim for more, but it is just sort of like a careful what you wish for. You know, our readers can look that column up. I think I wrote that after Michigan beat Ohio State the first time of like, a lot of people thought they should have fired Harbaugh. You know, if the if the, if the the numbers are different, the money's different, he might have got fired. Instead, he bet on himself, and it has paid off in an unbelievable way for Michigan. I'm just a believer in continuity fixes so many things. In college football, I think the quick trigger, you know, I sound like I sound like a a, a, a a president of a coaches association right now. But I do believe that a slower trigger can help you fix some of what ails you because Especially with turning over is so hard. And Especially that's why I just wrote that column. Success. Yeah, I wrote the column two months ago about how these 10 year guaranteed contracts might actually prove to be smart because you're taking away the, the A&M's going to find oh, out for better yeah. or worse. A&M's going to learn. You know, right. yeah. we could be we could be sitting here in three years and AM's won a national title. I can't believe I'm saying that and be like, hey, if say it again. AM's won a national title. <laughs> Ari, Ari with his uh, with Britt there at this there she's watching her beloved Aggies there at the parade. And um This is the squad right here. Yeah. The, <laughs> that's it right there. Sleeping giant. Well, I mean, they were they didn't get a shout out in this, if I recall. Robin, you know what? Ari went to his alma mater's rival, picked handpicked their coach for him. Put him in place. Now Arizona State's going to take off. He screwed his alma mater. If you haven't read my story on Kenny Dillingham, by the way, that did just run this week. So uh, interesting stuff there. The youngest coach in college football. Um, mm-hmm. I think he, you know, I think that that sort of factors into this somewhat in that in the transfer portal era where it's sort of complicated math that I think you have to have a program that people want to be a part of. I think that's something that Kenny really understands and clearly tries to establish. But you also have to have sort of a mercenary's edge that some guys are going to leave and you got to go get dudes to replace them. It's easy for guys to leave. The price has never been lower, but it's easier than ever to flip your roster. Obviously, we saw that with Sonny Dykes this year. We've seen that in a handful of other situations. Lincoln Riley, obviously, this year um, proved that as well, that, you know, patience is gone in college football um, because you can flip your roster in a much faster way. And when you're talking about the big C word, we've been talking about continuity, this whole this whole thing. You got to have a program that people want to be a part of. And I think when you want to succeed in this data and have guys that sign with you and their next step is the draft, I think the old way of doing things is, is, is not going to work. You know, I, I just don't think so. I think, you know, I own you. You do what I say. My way or the highway. It works at Alabama when everybody's getting head coaching jobs and becoming first round picks. But for the other 60 programs that aren't going to the playoff every year, I think you, you know, not to let the players run the program, but I think guys want to be heard and valued. And I think that's something that coaches have to stare at themselves. You know, some coaches are going to have to change. The coaches that adjust, I think are going to do well in this, in the new era of college football, because none of this data really, I would say, has been impacted by NIL. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, definitely. Minimal to very little of this, very strongly influenced by NIL. Um, the transfer portal, somewhat immediate eligibility, not really. Um, so this is sort of data from the era of college football that's that's gone now. So 
the guys that look like this in 10 years, even though the data will be all screwed up and all that stuff, I think will be the coaches that figure out how to make guys want to be a part of their program, not have to be a part of their program. Yep. Yep. So this has been fun. As coaches and players. And, and, and fortunately, we usually don't have hard outs on this, but I'm actually glad we have a hard out where we got to finish because we could go on forever. <laughs> there is no end to this. Yeah. yeah, we could go on forever. We will be talking about this on Stars Matter. We'll have Dave back on. They'll be talking about another podcast and all this stuff. But- Hit us up. We got a mailbag up. We got the comment section. Hit us up. If you got questions, we're going to talk about this more because it took us a long time to do this data, so we're going to be talking about it and writing about it for a while. So if you got questions, if you want to yell at us, uh, hey, we're here. Uh, I think this is, I learned a lot doing this. Um, it's fascinating to look at. Um, it's fascinating because you, you kind of, I, I, I'm very excited for more people to get their eyes on this data and look at it and say, well, what, what, they, what sticks out to them? Because you can look at it and one day and then the next day, something else jumps out at you like, oh, well, what about this? And then yep. putting a face on the data is always very interesting too of like, well, why do we think that happened? Um, or, you know, where do the numbers lie? Where do the numbers not even tell you how bad or how good it really is? I, you know, these are all interesting questions. Yeah, and, and real quick, and we've talked about this. We, we know this is not is not perfect. There's some you can look at it and poke some holes in the methodology on the front end or the back end. But our thinking was it averaged out. So if we missed a guy on the front end for some reason, yeah, there's no, no the clean way end, because of the because of the draft eligibility rules. There's no in the clean red shirt, way yeah. to say that. So there might be some 07, 08 guys that are draft picks that didn't get counted, but there's probably some 19 guys that haven't been drafted yet, especially with the COVID right. year. So that was our thought is that there's no clean way to cut it off. So we're just going to do an 11 year window and an 11 yep. year window and it'll be close. Yep. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to stars matter. Um, we will be back next week or earlier. I've got my Ari problem here about when we're actually recording and when this is going to come <laughs> on. We will be back later this week on our normal edition of stars matter. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening, everybody.